Praise the Lord, Grace Church. Is anybody glad to be in the house of God today? God is great and he is greatly to be praised, amen. This is the last Sunday of 2020 and as much as I want to say goodbye to this year, I can't help but thank God for his keeping power throughout this year. God has brought my family through a lot of things. He's brought me through a lot of things personally. And I can't help but say thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me and my family. Thank you for your healing power over my life. Thank you for the strength that you give me every day, Lord, to move forward. Hallelujah. I praise him. Is anybody thankful for the love of God today? Can we just worship him all over this place? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
steps and everybody said amen thank the lord it's great to see all of you here today and uh, thank you so much for coming all of our guests here today we're so glad you're here and uh, thank you for joining us today at grace church those of you watching on live stream facebook live we welcome you as well and i uh, trust that our service is a blessing to you today thank the lord and uh, as michelle said uh, we all know it's been a very challenging year and uh, we've said that many times but to me it's just made God that much bigger that that much more magnified uh, it's caused us to lean on him more to trust him more to develop our faith more and I can truly say looking back over uh, 2020 that uh, faith has worked trust has worked God has come through. God has made himself manifest. Yes, he has. And I'm very thankful for that. Amen. Thank the Lord. It's never in vain. It's never in vain to stand on the word of God. He did say that his word would not return unto him void. And we're very thankful. We're very thankful. Yes, it's been challenging. But we're so thankful that we're still here. We're on campus. We're worshiping God. There's a lot of unity, a lot of, a lot of chemistry. Uh, God has brought a lot of us closer together, and I'm very thankful for that. Thank the Lord. Before we uh, move on into uh, our announcements and whatnot, I'd like for us to have a moment today in prayer. Uh, I'd like for us to pray for Dean Dykes. Uh, she took a pretty serious fall this week, and uh, certainly not good timing for the holidays, but she would really appreciate our prayers uh, this morning also like for us to pray for the Templars, for Blue and Melanie, and also for Ken Williams. And I'm sure there's a long list of others, uh, but these folks, uh, their name came up, and we want to certainly remember them in prayer. Let's pause for a moment, if we will, and let's pray for these folks right now, shall we? Jesus, we love you today, and we're thankful again for your manifest hand on our lives, for the guidance that you've given this year. We're thankful, God, for faith, for trust, those things that you honor, for faithfulness. And we pray today, God, for these people, uh, the names who've been mentioned. You know where they are. You know what's going on in their mind, in their body. And I pray that you administer to them, that the Spirit of the Lord would work beautifully on their behalf. We ask you, God, today to lift them up, to touch their body, to 
touch their mind, their spirit, their attitude. We ask God that they all recover completely, totally, even recover better than before. We know that you can do that. And our faith is in you. Our confidence is in you. We pray for this service today that the will of God is done, that you would speak and talk to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Let's give the Lord some more praise this morning, shall we? Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. While you remain standing, uh, we want to encourage you to give today. And uh, you know the ways that uh, you can give your tithe and offering. Uh, there's a receptacle out in the lobby. And then uh, you'll see that you can uh, actually mail uh, your offering, your tithes. You can give online. Uh, there's a number of ways that you can give. So we ask you to continue to support the church, and you have. Uh, throughout this year, you've, Grace Church has been amazing, and we're very, very thankful. Let me remind you that tomorrow night, uh, December 28th, we're continuing praying at 714 in our homes. Uh, if, you can, if you would do that tomorrow night, it would be appreciated. Also, Tuesday morning prayer uh, here in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. Those of you that can come, please mark your calendar and plan to be here. Uh, somebody said it's a great way to start a year is with prayer. It's a great way to end a year, too. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's a good time to pray all the time uh, as far as that goes. Uh, we will have service Wednesday night, uh, Bible study here this coming Wednesday night at 730. Uh, make plans uh, to attend that. And then listen very carefully. This coming Sunday, a week from today, uh, we'll have our uh, communion service, and it's always a special, special time. And uh, I'm going to ask you to come, be prayerful uh, this week, but to, to show up this coming Sunday prepared uh, to just talk to the Lord about anything and everything, and then to share this very sacred, very special time of communion. And then on Monday, uh, January the 4th, we will begin our 21 days of sacrifice. Uh, we ask that you give up something that's uh, special, that's important, it can be food, it can be medium, whatever it is, uh, just give it up for 21 days and to establish a God focus, uh, to just focus in on priority for 2021 and pray for God's direction, not only in our church, but also in our lives. Uh, so remember that for Monday, uh, January the 4th, and then Tuesday night, January the 5th, we'll have first Tuesday evening prayer here in the sanctuary and we're asking everybody to come. The holidays will be behind us. Hopefully we can get back into, let's focus uh, on some great things for Grace Church in 2021. So remember those announcements, and uh, God bless you as we move into 2021 and see what God has in store. But for now, let's move back into our worship set. God bless you as the praise team comes.
that God that we feel his presence here today, that God is your God. That God is my God. He's not an abstraction. He's, he, he's not an imagination. He's not a work of literature, but he's living in your heart, in my heart, and he gives me something to brag about, that this God is my God. This God we sing about is the one I talked to this morning. This God that we sing about is the one whose spirit is flowing through my soul. This God that we sing about is the one that gives me hope for tomorrow and strength for today. I think one more time we ought to just celebrate the presence of a living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, as always, the praise team has taken us into the presence of God. And they have set a foundation for the Word of God today. Do you Have you come to hear from the Lord today? Have you come to hear from the Word of the Lord? I have. I have. Thank you, Jesus. And along with, along with Pastor, I hope you all had a very, very happy Christmas, happy holiday last week. And I wish you the season's best for next week. It's not over yet, is it? We still have another week of holiday time, and I just hope the best for you and your family, that you have a great time together celebrating, ringing in the new year with all of its hope and promise, and uh, that's just going to be a wonderful thing. But today, in this moment, here we are, kind of in between holidays on a Sunday morning, here in the presence of God with one another, and I believe God has something for us today. Are you okay just for the next half hour or so, just pausing holiday time and, and just releasing your faith and saying, God, we want to hear from you. We want to receive from you. We've come today with expectation. Is that okay this morning? If you believe that, give me a good hearty amen so I'll know I'm not alone up here. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. I'd like to read from John chapter 21, verse 1 through 6. That's our text today, but I'm going to back up and, and grab the, the last two verses of John chapter 20. So we're going to start today in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And I'm going to just tell you, I, I, we're just reading these two verses today because I like them before we get to our text. I, I just can't preach out of the text and be this close to these two verses and not read them in your hearing. They give me a lot of hope. They give me a lot of, 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 of courage. And they really build my faith. And I think they will do so to you, to you today. So let's pick up in John chapter 20, verse 30. And, and then we'll go right into our text. John writing, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through his name. You know, John and the others were eyewitnesses. And, and if we were to have a trial today, a jury trial, and you had four, five, six, a, a dozen witnesses that all said the same thing, the verdict would be, pretty, would be pretty easy to obtain, wouldn't it? And John's saying, we were eyewitnesses. We saw these things. We're writing these things so that you will know that Jesus is the Christ and that you will have great hope in believing that truth. I love those two verses today. I really do. And so then he continues in John chapter 21, our text today. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise, he showed himself. 
there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I am going fishing. And they said unto him, that's a pretty good idea. We're going to go with you. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. I want you to notice this next statement. John is very careful here to tell us something. He says, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto them, children, have you any meat? And they answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw for the multitude of fishes. So from this text today, I just want to preach for a little while the topic or the title, New Faith for a New Year. Can we pray one more time before you're seated? Jesus, I thank you for your word. It gives us so much faith, so much encouragement, so much hope today. I pray you'd anoint me to preach your word, anoint our hearts to receive. Do your sovereign work in this place today in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. Well, congratulations today. Look at your neighbor, tell them, say congratulations. Now, we should probably congratulate one another for surviving 2020, or just about, close enough. But that's not what I'm congratulating you on today. Congratulations are in order, and I congratulate each of you again because you are alive and are part of the living, established church in this era of time. You are the ecclesia, the called out ones in 2020 and soon to be 2021. That means that God chose you and me for this time. He chose the disciples for Roughly, we'll say 83 to A.D. 90, something like that. He chose the Apostle Paul to take on the Roman Empire during that time and deal with key differences between Jews and Gentiles. He chose the Apostolic Fathers to lead the church forward into the, the, the years that would ensue. But none of these did he choose to be alive in the 21st century. But he did place you and me on planet earth and in his kingdom for just such a time as this. Amen. This means he believes we're up to the task. It isn't just anybody that can see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven in this hour. But it is you and me with the help of the Holy Spirit that have been commissioned to take the baton and run this last church age lap to the finish line. Now, we know the challenges we face this year, and you don't need me to repeat those to you, but I'm going to repeat some of them anyway. And we're just going to go through a couple of things here. On December 17th, just a few days ago, I received an email from an insurance journal rounding up the kind of the news of the year in insurance. And one section of the email had a headline and it said, quote, this year obliterated disaster records. 
It cited an article from the Associated Press from December 10th that said with 30 named storms in the Atlantic hurricane season, a new record was set. A dozen of those made landfall in the United States, also smashing the previous record, which was nine. In California, the largest area ever was burned by wildfire, 6,528 square miles. It doubled the previous record. Five of the six largest wildfires in California history burned this year. A new term, gigafire, was coined to, to, to identify a fire that burns more than a million acres. And don't forget the Direco that hit the Midwest and caused damage of almost $10 billion. In total, the United States set a record for the most $1 billion disasters each, the most disasters that cost $1 billion each. Only three states, Alaska, Hawaii, and North Dakota, uh, did not have a billion-dollar disaster in 2020. And I haven't even mentioned the you-know-what, the pandemic. That's the world we live in. That's 2020. That's the 21st century. That's just one slice of the challenges that we're facing in our world. And that's the world that God has trusted you and he's trusted me to be alive in this day, to be the church in this hour, and to thrive in the calling wherewith he has called us. And God wants you to know, and he wants me to know, we've got this. And better yet, he's got this. As long as our faith is in Him, as long as we are trusting in Him, we're going to walk in victory, we're going to walk in power, and we're going to grow, and we're going to see His provision, and we're going to see His blessing. If you believe that, would you clap your hands today? Oh, He's equipped His church, even in turbulent times, even in tough times. We're equipped, we're poised, we're postured for great things. I want you to consider as an example what's going on in the church in China. In the Wall Street Journal just this week, Walter Russell Mead wrote an opinion piece warning of the growing threat to the Christians in China. Now you and I understand just what little bit we know that's come out of that country. They've been under persecution for years and decades and, and, and it's not easy to be a Christian in China. Apparently things are worsening and, and this guy is, is, is trying to alert the world that that it's a, a very serious and grave threat that, that Christians face right now in China. And he says, quote, Christians face growing hostility from a ruling party that until a few years ago was willing to turn a blind eye. But really, what really caught my attention is the following. He says, quote, that era of toleration coincided with one of the greatest expansions of Christianity in the past 2,000 years. From an estimated 3 million believers at the end of the Cultural Revolution, the number of Protestants in China is now believed to exceed 100 million. And this is what's so cool. He says, much of the growth has come since 2010. And some projections suggest that by 2030, China could surpass America to have the largest population of Christians in the world. I want you to know that negative circumstances don't stop the church. 
I want you to know that persecution doesn't stop the church. I want you to know that nothing can stop God's church from thriving on planet earth in any era of time, in any place, anywhere, because Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. This is how it's been since the church has been established. The darker the times, the more the church grows. The harder the season, the greater the outpouring. I'm telling you, church, this is our finest hour. And I believe that we're not just going to survive. If you're you're thinking of ways to just survive in 2021, I want you to to, to erase that and just begin thinking, we're going to thrive. We're going to see God's best. We're going to see God do Some great, great things. Some can't wait to write off 2020 and forget it completely. I saw saw an article this week that said some are burning 2020 calendars just to, to strike it from the record. That's true. True story. Others are hoping against hope that when the calendar flips in a few days that that 2021 is going to be the answer to our prayer. And I'm going to stand here this morning and tell you, I don't know which one is correct. The the, the unsettling thing about the future is we don't know what it's going to be. But here's the good news. You and I are not facing the uncertainty of a new year alone. We know who holds tomorrow. We know who holds the future. And it's just a matter of holding on to our faith. It's just a matter of making sure our faith is in the one that holds tomorrow. Last year's faith was good for last year, but now we are stepping into a new day, so we need a new faith for a new year. Your New Year's resolutions aren't going to get the job done. Your positive mental attitude won't get the job done. The vaccine, as glad as I am that they've, they've got that, that's not what my hope is in today. I truly believe that Jesus is going to do what he said. And I believe that if our faith is positively and solidly in him in this coming new year, we will see a fresh manifestation of God in our families, in our home, in our church, and in our community. If anybody believes that today, would you just shout to the Lord and clap your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can you imagine with me today? I want you to insert yourselves into the text that we read and imagine with me the the emotional journey that the disciples had been on in the days and months preceding that, that manifestation of Jesus Christ to his disciples on the shore. Imagine the, the whiplash of faith that they had experienced. They were downcast when Jesus died, cautiously optimistic when, he, when it became apparent he was no longer in the tomb, probably ecstatic when he appeared unto them the first time, and then maybe disappointed again as he removed himself from their sight. And we pick up the story today in between those manifestations. Jesus, he, he kind of popped in and out. Uh, to his disciples there and we, they were in between manifestations and they were really trying to figure it all out. It was an unsettled time. It was an uncertain time. A lot, a lot more questions than answers in that time and they were, they were trying to figure out where Jesus was and when he would return and, and, and what he was trying to do and what would be the, the near future, what, would, what they could expect. And 
they, they, knew, they, they knew he was around here somewhere, but they just hadn't heard from him in a while, and they were starting to get just a little bit nervous. And they don't know what to make of their circumstances. And so Peter gets this great idea to go fishing. This is, this is his trade. This is who he is. He's a, he's a fisherman by trade. And he says, I'm going to go fishing. And hey, I'm going to go back to that occupation that I know. And so, so the other disciples say they will go with him. Now, as, as much as I would like to read into the text and criticize them for their backslide, you know, they, they were disciples and seeing all these things. Now they're backsliding and going fishing. That's really not what's happening here as, as best as I can discern and best as I can study. Uh, almost 100% of the commentaries that I, that I studied in this text all feel like that this was not a backslide on their part. It was simply an effort on the disciples' part, Peter leading them to be productive in an uncertain time. They, do that. they didn't want to just idle their time away. Jesus is not being real clear on, on what the future is and what they ought to be doing. So they just want to do something. They just want to be productive and use, use what they know and use their know-how to do something. And so they say, let's go and catch some fish. That, might, that may sound just a little bit familiar to some of you this morning. In the, in the absence of clear direction... We've just been doing all we know to do in 2020. And we're doing okay. But the year has been frustrating. We haven't exactly moved forward. At best, we could say we're maintaining. We, we haven't necessarily seen the kingdom come. We've, we've toiled. We've worked. We've done what we know to do. We've tried to be productive. We've, we've put our shoulder to the wheel doing all that we can. And so, like the disciples the disciples were on the sea, and, 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 I, and I'm sure they felt di- uh, downcast and disheartened that at the end of the night they had nothing to show for their efforts, and they, they were weary, and they, they had caught nothing. They'd worked hard, and, and they were tired, and there was nothing productive that they had accomplished. And I wonder sometimes if, if some of our weariness uh, in this night season that we're in is that we're trying to shoulder it. We're trying to handle it. We're trying to, to control it and understand it and, and do our way. And, and that can make us so weary. It can make us weary in spirit. It can, it can make us weary in faith. It can make us weary even physically and mentally. It can, it can make us weary. But I want to remind you today of the promises of God to those who are weary. In the words of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, he asks a question. He says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, that my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Listen to this. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, oh, I love this today, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Why? Because he gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth will faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. I'm telling you, God doesn't get weary. He doesn't wear out. He, doesn't, he, do, he, he gives power to those that are faint. I look at these young men. I'm, I'm watching our son Dawson grow 
uh, he, he's soon to be 15, and, and I, I relate a lot to, to his, his activity, his schedule. He, uh, he, uh, he gets up early and goes to school, and somewhere in his day he has basketball practice for a couple of hours. He'll come in from basketball and he'll go right back out, or he'll come in from school and go right back outside and play more basketball in the driveway. If it's a Friday night, he comes up here with his buddies and they play more basketball here in the church parking lot. And, and on Friday night, if it's a Friday night, you know, 10, 11 o'clock, they're going. And, and, and it's just like he has this, this unlimited tap of energy. And it's just, just it's ball, it's, it's go, it's, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't want to stop. But on, especially on a Friday night or sometime, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, maybe a little later, at some point he kind of taps out and he says, he says, I'm going to bed. And at that point, you don't have to sing him a lullaby. You don't have to beg him to turn out the light. You don't have to tuck him in and, and, and fluff his pillow. He's out. He's done. And I remember those days as, as a, young, a young man. Why? Because even young men have a capacity on their strength. Even the youth shall fall at some point in their energy level. But look at the rest of this reading in Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The psalmist echoes this in Psalms 27. He says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This is what you do when you feel weary. This is what you do when 2020 seems like the longest year of your life. This is what you do when you're not sure what 2021 will be. You just cast your net again and you say, you know what? God's given me strength. I got a little more faith. I've got another reserve that I can tap. I can wait on the Lord and I can be of good courage because he doesn't faint. He doesn't grow weary. He's not tired and he's got my hand. He's got your hand and he's marching us firmly into his promise. So I'm just challenging you today to gather your wits about you and say, I'm going to have some new faith for a new year because I know who my trust is in. I know who my faith is in. So these disciples, they, they're weary, they're tired, they've, they've worked all night and have nothing to show for their efforts. Kind of like maybe we feel here some, to some degree today. And someone sees a stranger standing on the shore. Someone sees a stranger standing on the shore. And this stranger shouts to them and says, Have you tried casting your nets on the right side of the boat? Now, as I studied this passage and I studied this scripture, I, I kept coming back to it. I kept praying over it, looking at the commentary, studying. And I felt like I was missing something. I felt like there was some piece of this story that I was overlooking. And I believe I found it. And I believe this is it right here. Where John goes to great lengths to say, The disciples knew not that it was Jesus. That's important because we read the story. We know it's Jesus. We know who it is on the shore. And so we kind of project that into the narrative. The disciples did not know at first that it was Jesus. So imagine they're tired. They're coming back in from their night fishing. And this guy on the shore kind of tries to get their attention and waves at them and, and says, have you tried casting your net on the right side of the boat? And they obeyed, which is a mystery to me. 
because they weren't, obe- they weren't obeying Jesus. It was, they weren't obeying Jesus' word. They didn't know it was Jesus. They just obeyed. And so it, it had to be. It just had to be in my imagination. It must have been something like, the, you know, the stranger on the shore says, cast your nail on the right side. One disciple punches the other and says, how come you didn't think of that? You know, what, what kind of blockhead are you that you didn't think about casting the net on the right side? And the other guy says, well, you've been fishing uh, in the fishing trade as long as I have. How come you didn't think of it? And the other guy says, well, I'm not throwing another net out because I've been throwing nets out all night and I'm too tired and I'm not going to do any more. I don't care what anybody says. I, I just have to imagine that their attitudes had to be something like that. But somewhere in all of that, they come to a consensus And they say, you know what? That's a pretty good idea. Why don't we cast our nets on the right-hand side of the boat? And they do, and the great abundance and harvest of fish comes. So now they have provision. I want to highlight this today. Now they have provision. Later, they'll they'll wind up on the shore with Jesus, and he's got got breakfast made for them. He's got fish on the fire, and, and he's cooked a meal for them. He's provided for them. I want you to know there's just something about when your faith is engaged with Jesus that it leads to provision. Our obedience, our trust in the Lord's word opens up a gateway for provision in our lives. I, and and I, I just like how Jesus, when he asked them from the shore, he doesn't, he doesn't ask them, he doesn't say, do you have any fish? He says, do you have any meat? In one translation it says, do you have any food? He wasn't just trying to salvage their fishing trip. He wasn't just trying to save their pride uh, so they would have a story to tell when they got back to their fishing buddies. He wanted to provide fully and in total for all of their needs. He was looking past the immediate need into their complete and total provision. I want you to know that Jesus' provision is true and complete provision. In any time that your faith is in God, He will provide for your needs. This is important today that we understand that no matter what's going on around us, even in 2020 going into 21, God is our provider and He will take care of our needs. Some time ago I I preached along this line on, on miracles and I began to outline some of the things that God had done for many of our church families up until that point in the year. And in, in that service, in that service, I, the, kind of the point I was making was that, was that even with the economy up and down and even with uh, political uh, division and the winds of change blowing and all these things, that God wasn't, wasn't bound by any of that, that God could still work and He could still provide and He could still move. And on that Sunday, as we gathered around the altar and prayed, Brother Kelton Nose came forward and uh, he asked Pastor to come and we prayed. He said, I, I was laid off in the spring. That's back when the, when the oil prices tanked and, and gasoline or, or oil futures went into, into negative territory. Kelton was laid off during that time. And, and he had been on unemployment all, that, all those six months or so. And he said, my back's against the wall. My unemployment benefits will, run, will roll out, run out this coming Friday. This was a Sunday. And so Pastor and I and Kelton prayed. We combined our faith and we asked God to provide a miracle. Within a week and a half or so, Kelton had a good job offer that he accepted and God provided that need just as had been preached and what had been prayed. What I like about the story is this. When, when the offer came, when Kelton talked to him over the phone and the offer came, they offered him a salary, a sum of money 
which really wasn't enough. It wasn't as much as Kelton had hoped it would be. But given the situation and given the fact that, it, that, no job, that having a job was better than not having a job, he, he, he decided, he said, you know what, I'm not going to negotiate. I'm just going to accept the offer and we'll, we'll hope for the best as things go along and pray that God will take care of it. That was kind of his attitude and his, his, uh, his posture. When the final paperwork came back for him to sign on and make it all official, they had changed the salary offer and the new offer was exactly the amount that Kelton had needed in a salary commensurate with his experience and his know-how. In other words, God provided not just a job, but the perfect job, the exact job with the exact amount of finances. I'm telling you, God is a provider. I'm telling you, it's a provision. And that must have been something like what the disciples experienced that day when they saw this miraculous catch of fish and said, you know what, we have provision, we have provide. We have a provision in God. I have a whole list of, of miracles I could tell about that God has done in just the last few weeks. And we, we, won't, we won't go into all those, but let me just tell you one more. The Sunday after Thanksgiving, we preached here. Uh, most of you had a, had a great Sunday nap that Sunday during the sermon, but that's okay. No, I'm just picking. Just, it was just, just a joke. We had a great service here that Sunday after Thanksgiving. And Sister Melanie Tipler came in the altar, and, and she was in tears. Her brother was in ICU fighting COVID on a ventilator. How many know that those, that those three things in one sentence is not, is not good? And so she was in tears and she was very, very worried and, and nervous about her brother and his, his prognosis for recovery was not good. And Sister Melanie and I prayed together. I went and got a prayer cloth and anointed it and we prayed over it. Afterwards, I, I began to really doubt that move and that I questioned myself on that. I was like, why in the world did we pray over a prayer cloth she can't even get it to him. It doesn't even make sense. I don't know what I was thinking. But that's what we did and we prayed. That was around about this time on a Sunday morning. That Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, Sister Melanie texted me and said her brother was off the ventilator. He was up walking around. He was aware and cognizant. And in just a couple of days later, they actually released him from the hospital completely healed, completely made whole in Jesus' name. That's provision. It's provision. It's God our provider. And so, and so here's the part I like about that prayer cloth. I don't know how she got the prayer cloth to him, but she did. Somehow she got it to the, to the room. She said she was on the phone with him. He was in his, in his hospital room when he got the prayer cloth. And she said when he opened that prayer cloth, the power of God hit. She said, I felt it on the, in the room where I was in coming through the phone. He began to weep and cry. And she said, I'm pretty sure I heard him speak in tongues as God refilled him with the Holy Ghost as he opened that prayer cloth. That's the power of provision. That's the power of my God. That's what God can do in 2020. That's what God wants to do in 2021. I'm telling you, we've not followed cunningly devised fables. We've not just, just invested our faith in our time and, and, and something that, that just blows in the wind and is here today and gone tomorrow. I'm telling you, our faith is rock solid. I'm telling you, the one that holds our hand is rock solid. I'm telling you, the one that holds tomorrow, he's got this. He's got his church. He's got you. And we're going to be okay next year. The Bible says the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. And so provision always comes following faith. And finally, finally, after the provision came revelation. This is a fascinating part of the story because after the catch of fish, 
Peter immediately exclaims, It is the Lord. I don't think anything changed in the, in the, in the natural landscape that suddenly a spotlight was shown on Jesus and he somehow could see clearly all of a sudden. But something happened when that catch of fish came up that Peter had revelation and he understood that's not just a stranger on the shore. That's not just somebody with a little fishing acumen on the shore, but that is the Lord, that is Jesus manifesting himself to us once again. So how did Peter know? How did he know that that was Jesus in that moment? I believe that as soon as that catch of fish came up out of the, out of the sea, as they began to struggle with it and get it over the, the bow of that boat, I believe Peter's mind went back to the very first time that Jesus called, or, or the first time he saw Jesus, and Jesus called him to be a disciple. Because you see, back in Luke chapter 5, when Peter was called to be a disciple from the very first, Jesus did this same exact miracle. At that point, Jesus just saw a bunch of fishermen out cleaning their nets. Luke tells us that they had they'd fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus asked Peter, he says, Can I get in your boat and you take me out and I'm going to preach a little while? And Peter does. When Jesus is done preaching, he tells Peter, he says, Cast your net on the right-hand side of the boat and get ready for a catch of fish. He, he does that, it happens, and Peter says, uh, Depart from me, for, my, for I am a sinful man. And Jesus basically says in so many words, he says, relax, Peter. From now on, you're going to be a fisher of men. I'm calling you to be a disciple. So when, when the miracle happens the second time in John 21, I believe Peter's mind flashes back to that moment. And he remembers the moment that Jesus called him to be a disciple. And he remembers with great revelation that that, that miracle signaled a seismic shift in my life. And it signaled the point in which I began following Jesus Christ. And for three and a half years I was an apprentice as a disciple learning to minister learning to be fishers of men seeing signs and wonders and miracles seeing things in the supernatural that I never saw it took me to a mound of transfiguration where I saw Jesus transfigured before me and it, it took me to the revelation that that thou art the Christ and on this rock I will build my church Jesus told me that's what the first miracle catch brought so what in the world does this second miracle catch signal. It signals more in Peter's life than just being a disciple. It signals that now, Peter, you're going to be an apostle. Now, Peter, you're going to use those keys to the kingdom. And now, Peter, you're going to usher in the church age and say in just a few days, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit. In other words, with provision comes revelation. And with revelation comes a greater understanding of what God wants to do in this day. In other words, it's an understanding that God's going to take the church to the next level, to a higher height, to a greater outpouring, to more revival, to a greater dimension of the outpouring of God's Spirit on the earth. And that's what I've come to tell you today. And that's what I believe, where I believe we're at today. We've acted on faith in 2020. We've done all we know to do. We've fished all night. 
We've done everything we know to do. We've toiled till we're weary. And now we're beginning to see miracle provision from God. Just two of the miracles I mentioned today are an example of the miracles that are, that are running through this church. I don't, know, I don't know if you're seeing them on social media, if people are posting them or not. But there are miracles all through this church and families and lives. And I believe that's the miracle provision of God. And that signals to me that the next step is manifestation of God's presence. Just like Peter was ready to take the next step to the next level with his revelation. You and I are ready now as we march into 2021 with a new faith for a new year. To go into that year knowing that God has positioned his church for outpouring. He's positioned us for revival. He's positioned us for greater miracles, greater harvest greater word, greater anointing, greater understanding, greater revelation, greater provision than we've ever seen before. Oh, I wish I had two or three people that believe that today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask our musicians and praise team to come as we begin to conclude. As we begin our conclusion. This is my favorite coffee mug right here. I've got a picture of it as well in case, in case you can't see it too well in the live audience. <clears throat> now, I'm serious about my coffee. I like coffee. And when I say coffee, I mean coffee. I don't mean frappuccino, Olay, mocha, latte, latida, whatever. I mean coffee. I won't, I get, it, it, I'm amused when I go to the coffee shop or a restaurant and I order coffee and they say, do you want cream and sugar? If I don't want a cream and sugar, I'd ask for cream and sugar. I just want you to go run some hot water over some coffee beans and bring me the result in a cup. That's all I want. I, don't, I like coffee for coffee's sake. I don't need you to do anything to it. And so this is my favorite mug for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's a fairly large coffee mug, which is good. And that's always good. More coffee is better. And it keeps the coffee hot. You know, I've had large coffee mugs before that, that they weren't made right and they didn't keep the coffee hot. So by the time you get halfway through, you got a cup of cold coffee. But this one does a good job. And, and you can enjoy the entire cup uh, even though it's, it's more than, than what would normally be in a small coffee cup. The second reason I like this cup is because of what it says on the, on the mug. It says, begin, period. I like that that's a full sentence. Begin. And so it just reminds me every day that I can begin fresh. I can begin new. It's a, it's a nice cup of coffee to begin my day, to begin my life, if you will, to, the first day of the rest of my life. And it, it, my imagination can usually go pretty quickly into to thinking how Jesus makes things new every day. His grace is new every morning. I'm beginning a new day and a new start. But those are just a couple of the reasons I like this coffee mug. The real reason I like this coffee mug is what it represents in my life. <clears throat> As you all know from many testimonies, 2016 was a tough year. We, uh, we had leukemia. Our son had leukemia that we battled in our family. We lost everything in the floods that year. And we wound up in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, so we could be close to St. Jude's Hospital. And we, we were starting over. All, everything had been flooded here. We had nothing to take with us, and we were starting over. So we went over to Costco, got us a little rent house, went over to Costco, bought a couple of beds and some things. And there's a little home furnishing store next door to Costco in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, Ferris said, uh, just wait right here in the car. I'm going to run in there. I'm going to get four plates, four glasses, 
four forks and knives so that we'll have something to eat on uh, in the coming days. And when she came back to the, to the car, she handed me this mug. And she said, on the way out, I saw this mug, and I thought you would like it because uh, you need something to drink your coffee out of going forward. And I, of course, thanked her for it. And when I saw this begin, it was just so appropriate, and it was so poignant in our life at that moment because we were beginning a new life in a lot of ways, in a new town, a new place, uh, with a very uncertain future. But more than that, and what I know in hindsight now, is that we, we, we were beginning a new era of faith in our life. We were, we were beginning a time in our life where we had to live on faith and by faith like we never had before. If, if you will, we had to come out of the classroom of faith and actually live what we had learned in the classroom. And so we were beginning a new era. It was not a time where we could just say in Jesus' name and take a Tylenol and, and, and not really know whether in Jesus' name or the Tylenol had healed the headache. We were in a place where we had to exercise faith every day, every hour, every moment. We did not know what would happen from one day to the next. We had to take God at His word. We had to begin a faith journey. We had to begin a time where we would be willing to obey His voice no matter how we felt, no matter how uh, dark it looked around us, no matter how bleak the future might have looked, we had to begin our own faith journey. And the reason I still have this mug, and the reason I still use it with, with, with much uh, gladness as often as I can, is because now I stand four years later, and I can tell you that what Jesus began in our life, and what we began with our faith, we can look back over our shoulder and we can see provision. We can see miracles. We can see answered prayer. We can see where he had us every step of the way. We can see where every footstep was ordered of the Lord. And we can look back today and say, what he began, he finished in our life. I want you to stand with me this morning. And I want you to know there's nothing magical about January the 1st. It is traditionally a fresh start. It's a great time to make a fresh start. It's a great time to, to reassess your life. It's a great time to make some resolutions for the future. But really, it's just another day. But for you and I, for us, as we approach that, I want you to know you've you, you got to have new faith for a new year. You, 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 even though January 1 it really isn't a magical time, not a magical day. It really is an opportunity to begin a new faith journey. It is an opportunity to step into the best that God has for you. And so if you're here today and you're, you're carrying something, maybe it's a, it's a sickness in your body, maybe it's a financial situation, maybe it's a relationship that, that just was sour in 2020 and, and, and you have a lot of hopes and a lot of, a lot of uh, things you would like to see God do in 2021, I want you to know you can begin today. I want you to know you can start today. I want you to know that you can have new faith for a new year, and it can start today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. So as they sing today, I'm asking everybody that feels comfortable if you would come forward to this altar area, and I want you to just pledge to Jesus. God, I'm trusting you today. 
I'm believing in you today. I believe you have my hand. I believe you have my family. I believe you have my life. And we're going to go confidently into next year. Would you come, Grace Church, all over the building? Would you come if you feel comfortable coming today? Would you come down? And let's give next year to God. Let's begin fresh. Let's begin new. It's a new faith for a new year. Come on, that's it, Grace Church, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Somebody can receive from God here today. Somebody can receive from the Lord here today. That provision that I preached about, it's yours. He's no respecter of persons. It's yours today. Hallelujah. 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 That's it. That's it. Pray with somebody standing nearby. Pray with somebody standing nearby. That's it. In Jesus' name. Sweet.